Welcome to the Thought Leader Podcast. I'm Dr. Kent. And I'm Randy Baker. And in the Thought Leader Podcast, we travel all around the world to find the most interesting guests we can find. And today we're going to the land of the long white cloud. What does that mean? That's New Zealand. Oh, that's true. No, I was I was just kidding. I, I was paying attention during this interview. It was amazing. We talked to the great Liam Ford. He needs no introduction, but just imagine a well-tanned guy padding out with his bare feet and uh, in front of an audience in Prague, and that'll give you enough interest and intrigue to keep listening. So I think if our listeners take just a few minutes and listen to this interview, it's potentially capable of pointing you in a totally new direction. It's true. Or you can feel free to you know jump into a barrel and roll off a waterfall and bounce maybe here's the interview with liam ford so as kind of a fun way to start but i feel like um i feel like we should rewind about 30 seconds liam and why don't you give our listeners the recipe for uh, inflammation i i kind of love that as a starting point for this this uh, <laughs> interview on thought leadership yeah, well, inflammation's a problem everywhere, isn't it? So, yeah, so what I do is my sort of morning routine for inflammation is I get a, uh, a nice cup of uh, coconut milk because that's uh, easy on the body and good for you, uh, a grind of black pepper and a teaspoon of turmeric, and then I heat that up together in a little, a little saucepan. You can use the microwave if you want to be, like, super efficient. And then I give it a good stir, and then I sip on that in the morning. It's a beautiful, warming, hearty drink, and uh, it it's uh, an amazing impact on inflammation. And the and of course the black pepper helps the absorption of the turmeric, and you're away. So there you go. I love that as a starting point for our chat, just like it's the starting point of your day. So now now I feel like it was too pleasant, so I should toss it over to Randy to, to make fun of your New Zealand hood. Is yeah, that was, just to stir it up. Proper term? I was well, going to say, yeah, there's there's an accent there. There's there's something that's not quite the same as mine. And um, theoretically, we shouldn't be friendly. Well, you know, we're like, uh, we're like competing cousins, aren't we, the Australians and the, and the Kiwis? You know, yeah. just like competing cousins, when when we're actually got a common enemy, though, we're all we're all like like super buddies, right? Otherwise, <laughs> well, we, right, yeah. <laughs> yeah, which is pretty it's much perfect. everybody else in the world is the yeah, yeah, exactly. perfect on this podcast. I could be your common enemy. So, as your common enemy on this podcast, Liam, tell us tell us the entire story of your life in about thirty seconds. Ah, the entire story. Well, there you go. So, born in New Zealand or Aotearoa, as they call it, in the native. Uh, Maori language, so which means land of the long white cloud. So born from a humble background, you know, bare feet, walking on the beach, enjoying, went through university, was a little bit of a rebel at university, you know, was fighting what, uh, for what I thought was right, as you do when you're, when you're young and you've got a lot of, a lot of energy and you want to push against the man. And then uh, I got into my own business. I'm a sort of a serial entrepreneur, so I've had some reasonably big businesses, and 
you know, I learned my lessons from not only my successes, but my failures about how to create better organizations. And so I, I really wanted to make an impact on organizations when I saw the power that they have, but also uh, the positive power, but also the destructive power. So I wanted to end my days talking about the positive sides of how we can change organizations. That's the, that's the short the short story of how I got to be where I am now with the zone. During my university days, I used to walk barefoot everywhere. <laughs> and, I, and if you look under my vest, desk right now, you'd find bare feet. Uh, do you still walk bare feet on the, on the beach? Well, funny you say that because if you were to look at my feet right now, they're also bare feet. But what I'm, I'm also barefooted. No Three way. barefooted guys talking to each other. Look at that. Well, yeah. that, that's got to be. We should, we should grab some beers. So, but under my feet actually is a, is is like one of those uh, yoga pincushion mats. Yeah. So uh, what I do is you know, when I'm when I'm doing my Zoom calls and things like that, I'm I'm putting my feet on that and and uh, doing a little bit of acupressure. So. Okay. So now I'm going to ask a diff- different question. <laughs> How does living in bare feet translate to helping organisations do better. Ah, very good question. And, uh, you know, like, it's very easy to answer. Strangely enough, it, it, it might sound difficult, but it's all about being grounded. So, you know, living in bare feet is, to me, is, is really just a symbol of being grounded and being down to earth. And being down to earth for businesses means that you know, you can fly high, you can, you can get tied up with all the hype and the, the big money and, you know, the, the ego and the kudos and the status, but that's not really where it's all at. You know, it's all about being grounded and it's about being really focused on what, you're, what difference you're making and what you're delivering to your customers or your patients or, you know, those people that, are, that you're serving. And that's, that's the symbol of, gra- of groundedness for me. It's being grounded in what difference am I really making? That keeping your feet on the ground is so so important when you're in business because you can easily get carried away, and get locked into your own ego, and you know people around you will be going, "Oh, great, you're so great, Liam," but but you know you've got to be feet on the ground. So, so one of the interesting things about you is that you've been around the world uh, in various professional capacities, not just traveling and, and working on on the ground in many different places so how do you how do you see that sort of barefoot sensibility as being different in for example egypt or uh even the uk or different places you've lived and worked well i think it becomes a point of difference so i've now worked in 35 different countries around the world and i always remember one time i was working in the czech republic and anyone who knows the czech republic it's an ex-communist regime and they had the the famous velvet revolution and, you know, one of the things that, you know, coming out of that communist era and regime was that uh, trust was very low because they couldn't really trust the regime and they didn't really know whether to trust their neighbors or not because there was a, a big uh, drive in those days for the communist regime to, you know, turn your neighbor in if they, were, if they had more than you. And so trust was a big issue. And I remember being on stage in the Czech Republic and I came up in bare feet and I still had a little bit of a tan from the New Zealand summer. And of course, it was their, their winter. And there was just this gasp 
<laughs> and everyone was just just like, oh my God, he's got bare feet. And and so we used that barefoot metaphor throughout the whole uh, the whole presentation. So and it was it was really amazing. And what that built for them that day where we were doing that um, two hours on stage was it built a lot of trust because they could see that I wasn't trying to be flashy or I was just down to earth. And I then I sat on the stage instead of standing and just had a dialogue. And that trust-building exercise was so, so important. And if you know anything about teams or organizations, trust is just absolutely the bedrock of of everything. If you don't feel like safety and trust, then it's very hard for you to engage in any form of enterprise. So, so that's that's just an example of of that. And um, you know, on the opposite side, when when we were in Egypt, of course, walking around on the hot sand is not so not so clever and bare feet. But you know, we'd walk through the lobbies in bare feet, and it was a it was a talking point. And <clears throat> One of the huge things in Egypt um, is this whole getting to know you before we do business. So, you know, you, you couldn't come in with this sort of Western view of, okay, let's have a meeting. Okay, let's talk business. It's really, you might have several meetings of just getting to know you. Who's your family? You know, what do you think? What, what's your views on these things? How are you? Having, having uh, breaking bread together, having, having meals together. And that's very much a Kiwi or a New Zealand thing as well. So when we meet people, it's, hey, let's get to know each other first. You know, business is important. Yeah, but it's it's secondary to getting to know each other. Because if we're going to build a relationship, then getting to know you is so, so important. And that's part of the trust and safety building again. So, yeah. So we, we see that, that trust and getting to know you element all the time now online. Ten years ago, when the whole internet online shopping thing was happening or starting to happen, it was not such a big thing. People would buy the product because of the brand name. Now mm. we're seeing people are wanting to become connected in some way to the person they're going to do business with. So CEOs now necessarily need to be almost public figures in the sense that they People need to know what they think and what they say before they become comfortable or have enough trust to buy the product. Are you finding that CEOs are struggling with this whole concept of of trust in the marketplace or have they adapted to that? Because for 10 years they weren't. Well, I think, I think it, it's very much dependent on the leadership style of the CEO. A lot of CEOs were taught and have been educated and trained inside hierarchical organization. And, and it might not be a really rigid hierarchy like, uh, like the army. So it's a, it's a more loose hierarchy, but it's all about if you want an answer, go up a level. And then if you want an answer again, go up another level. So it's all this hierarchy and it all sort of feeds up to the CEO. And the problem with that is that it starts to um, create very poor communication channels because you're going through a number of different layers. So there's your first problem. So you have that, you remember that game you used to play when you were, you know, the whispers game, when you were kids, you sat in a circle and then you whispered something to someone and they whispered. And by the time it got back to you, it was com so different. It was like, wow, I can't even believe you even thought we said that. 
And that's that's like those communication chains in organizations. So the more you have these these different layers and the more formal they are, the less effective your communication is. So that's number one. And the second thing about hierarchies is is power. And when you're with someone that you deem to have more power than you or power over you, that doesn't go well with safety and trust because then you're always in this potentially submissive or competitive environment. And so I would say that the CEOs that are struggling with this are those ones with that hierarchical mindset. You know, you have you you report to me, you work for me. We're not working together. It's not a collaborative mindset. It's more of a superior versus an inferior or a subordinate uh, mindset. And that doesn't create for great organizations that can actually scale quickly and are also agile and also that unlock this thing that I call collective intelligence. So collective intelligence is how do we get the intelligence, you know, from everyone, from the from the person, for example, in the store who's maybe sweeping the floor but sees the trucks come in every day and notices that if we did this slightly different, maybe things would be more efficient. So everyone in the organization notices different things. And so if you pull this collective intelligence through, you can actually make a really, really big difference and you can be much more agile. So I'd, I'd say it's more about the mindset of the CEO, the ones that struggle. So if we look at collective intelligence for the entire planet a little bit, I know you, you engage all the time thinking about the actual earth, right? And feet on the ground, like the actual soil and, and yes. so on. What if I throw you a, a difficult question to say, what's one thing you're really hopeful about as we roll into the next hundred years and one thing you're really nervous about or, or fearful about? Well, <clears throat> you know, one thing that I'm really hopeful about is that the advances in technology will actually become, you know, great solutions for us as humans and for the planet. One of the things that I'm are worried about is the state of uh, the planet and how we're tracking with the use of resources and this the sustainability uh, question again and again and it's the climate change question. Now, in my mind, at least, you know, I'm very certain that, you know, as humans and, and the way that we're, you know, our industry works, that we are impacting climate. And, you know, I don't want to necessarily get into a debate on who who's, who's right and who's wrong, but that's my belief anyway. And I've seen that because I've been traveling the world for, you know, 20, 25 years and I've been around lots of different countries. I've seen the impact that we've had on um, the sea, on the land, on the air quality. Um, so, so I've seen it with my own eyes and everyone I talk to understands that there's a change. So that's the main thing that worries me. On the other side of it, though, I'm hopeful you know, that with the new technology that we can actually start to solve some of these problems, not only for the Earth. I mean, this is the only planet we have. It's the only spaceship we have, so we should look after it, right? But also that we can solve some of humanity's biggest issues with uh, technology, but also for the creatures around us that also we live in harmony with. So, you know, how do we, how do we look after uh, the creatures around us, whether they be birds or animals, how do we look after the trees? Because they're all part of a 
complete ecosystem in which we are dependent or interdependent you know that's that's what i'd like to see and it's one of my one of my big personal drives around sustainability and trees apparently have communities now which is amazing to find out in our modern science right yeah. which is kind of the work that you do so i guess kind of going into the close of this interview curious to hear more about about what you do and um, what kind of folks you're looking for well what we what we're trying to do with organizations is is our, our purpose at the zone is to help organizations become more human and what that means is that we're our best selves so how can we be our best selves at work? How can we be more kind, more caring, more collaborative? And what will the impact of, of that be on the organization? Well, we've seen it over 20 years, is that when you create more collaborative organizations, organizations that care about each other, organizations that care about what they're doing and care about the customers, when you create that environment, and it's not it's not a dog eat dog or a, you know um, you know a, a very strong hierarchy. People tend to flourish, and not only are they engaged, which is one really important thing to be engaged in your work uh, and have sort of meaning behind it to really care about it, but because they care about each other, their well being is improved. So you have high levels of engagement and high levels of well-being and that's the recipe for success and sustainability so it's not just engagement it's engagement and well-being you need both of those you need that sense of well-being and camaraderie and and collaboration and and like i've i've got friends at work because you know life is already um tough enough as it is it's never a straight line you know we go through difficult patches we go through success patches in life we have children, you know, we have illness and we have health. And it's great to have that community to be extended into the workplace where you can, you know, talk to someone, feel like you're supported, but also where you can feel like you can apply your own skills and creativity and put some effort in and stretch yourself to grow personally. And so I think work is incredibly important for humans. But having the right workplace with the right culture and the right type of leadership and that level of care is super, super important if we want to grow and flourish as, as people and communities. And, and then we take that home, right? So I, I, I really love that. So, Liam, where can people find out more and how can they contact you? Very easy. So they can jump onto our website which is www.thezone.co and they can look us up there and everything they need is going to be on that, on that website. If they want to connect with me personally, you can just look me up at Liam Ford on LinkedIn and you'll only see one Liam Ford who's a crazy Kiwi who works for The Zone. So you'll be able to find me pretty easy. And if not, well, you're going to find a lot of other friends called Liam and that can't be too bad either. <laughs> so... <laughs> And anyways, having a bit of a challenge is good for the soul. <laughs> I've never never met a Liam I didn't like. It's actually true. Yeah. Oh, is that right? There you go. So, yeah. um, so it must be a good name. 
So thank you for joining us. Really fun to chat with you. And um, yeah, can't wait till the next one. Yeah, well, thanks very much. And yeah, great questions and keep them coming. And you never know, I might fire one back to you guys soon one day just to get you back. (laughs) Thanks, Liam. Since we were all three of us were barefoot during this interview, I'm not sure that people really will get what you were saying about organizational change and CEO guidance and CEO's mindset and hierarchical business and all of that stuff. So I'm going to suggest that maybe our listeners go back and listen again and this time ignore the barefoot part. That's true. It is distracting, especially thinking about bare feet on the, the yoga needles. Mm. But I, I am really intrigued by that. Liam is an inspiration. Uh, so great to talk to him, and almost everything he does turns to good things. Speaking of good things, go get a sandwich, and then... Then go and um, visit us at thoughtpartnergroup.com. Bring the sandwich, we'll sit down, we'll have a bite with you. And while we're enjoying your sandwich, you can click on the little button and take our assessment. And if you do it really quickly, you'll get your sandwich back. Yeah, and um. We don't want you to get uh, hypoglycemic, so go ahead and grab an apple too, something else with some good uh, fruit sugars. And uh, while you're, you're taking a nice bite of that apple, you can uh, subscribe to us with apple-filled fingers. Perfect. And um, if you do all that, then I look forward to speaking to you on our next podcast. Yep, guaranteed 100% success rate.